my name is Lucy Smith, and I'm going to talk about my story today and why after my suicidal ideation, I was inspired to write a book about all of my experiences. Basically, I was bullied a lot when I was a kid, and it took a toll on me, um, emotionally and mentally. And I suffered so much that it kind of began to replay over and over in my head, kind of like um, really disturbing like horror movie flashbacks. And uh, I have a penchant for uh, artistic creation, so any of the arts, basically. Um, so I decided to put all of my thoughts and musings and whatnot together in um, just a long form and I decided you know what I'm gonna make a like a legit book out of this and I'm gonna put some illustrations in there and I'm gonna make this something that's accessible to everyone uh, should they want to um, learn from it or reference it or if they even, you know, want it to soothe, maybe they're, they're having similar emotions about the same thing. Um, so that's what I did. Um, I wrote the whole book. It is uncensored and illustrated, but not unedited. Um, my dear friend Merlin helped me to edit it. Um, cause it's good to have another person's eyes on your work just to fix any, um, logical, uh, loopholes. Um, so it's available on Amazon right now. And the link is, uh, tinyurl.com slash bloom from dirt. And the book is called the dirt. Um, because my experiences, uh, before I wrote the book were pretty shitty, like manure that fertilizes the earth from which grows flowers. Um, so most of the bullying type experiences that I'd gone through in my life, um, were kind of just layers of the cake and they piled on top of each other until finally I was threatening to commit suicide in front of my parents and they laughed at me. And so something inside me said, this is fucked up like this is not normal and I need to prove to them how serious I am so I voluntarily committed myself to a mental ward and I spent about a little over a week there and uh, the um, the hospital itself looked like um, kind of like the the one in uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest but more modern more um, sterilized more stereotypically like hospital sterilized they work every work really hard to keep everything clean and uh you know the the doctors and nurses had offices where you know there was glass so they can you know just kind of observe the uh the patients i was calling um my myself in the the um, other people in there with me uh, committed. I was I was calling us inmates, and they were like, "Your your um your your patients." Or <laughs> I was I was um, 
discouraged from using the term inmate, but it certainly felt like jail to me because despite the fact that I had uh, voluntarily committed myself, um, they insisted that I stay a little bit longer than they told me I was going to stay. And so I was like, wait a minute, like, shit, (laughs) am I going to get out of here? So I just, I made it a point to stay as, you know, quote unquote, normal as I possibly could and kind of help the others and, um, you know, remain attentive, focused, um, get my mind off the suicidal thought train as much as possible. And uh, so I got out and definitely left with a new perspective. But uh, just the the time in there was rather... um, Once I found out that I wasn't leaving when they told me originally I could leave, it was like time stopped. And I was like, okay, it's going to be tomorrow. Okay, it's going to be the next day. Okay, it's going to be Friday. Like... When is it going to happen? And then eventually when we were meeting with our individual uh, psychiatrists, um, mine told me, yeah, it would be uh, just, um, you know, until the next week. And so that's what happened. Um, But I was still very uncomfortable that I was told originally I was only going to be there for a couple days. And then a couple days was a little more than a week. I was like, that's not a couple days. Um, but in the end, uh, it all worked out. Um, I couldn't go to school, so I had to, uh, visit my, I was in art school at the time and, um, I had to give all my teachers a note of absence, uh, saying why I missed a week of classes essentially. And I remember my favorite teacher, um, or one of my favorite teachers, just he read the note and then he kind of shook his head as if I had done something wrong. And I was, I didn't know how to take that at first, but I I just felt really insulted and kind of betrayed. So I kind of distanced myself from him a little bit. But after that time, you know, that I, I took responsibility for what I was feeling. And that's kind of how I feel is, you know, once you, if you voluntarily commit yourself, um, you know, for, um, no other reason than to just prove to the people around you that you do need help and that you're not just playing around or fooling around and that you do need to be taken seriously, then obviously you're on the the right path to making things right for yourself and making things better for yourself. Um, so yeah, it's it's only been an uphill journey from there. And I'm at the point where I can help others through their experiences and guide them through their thoughts and whatnot. But the same is true for any other form of guidance, um, is that you you have to want to change. You have to want to make those edits yourself. You can't expect anyone to do them for you because that's just not going to happen. No one is going to reach into your brain and turn a switch and say, okay, you're better now because I helped you. In the end, we are all separately controlled, um, in control of our own thoughts and actions. And so if we really want our behavior to change and our thought process to change, we have to do that ourselves. Um, 
we don't and can't grant access to um, anyone else to be able to control our thoughts and feelings, except if you're a child, you know, but eventually you grow up past childhood and you learn to take responsibility for your own actions and thoughts. That's just how adulthood works. That's just how life works. And, you know, I can, I can help people, but they have to be willing to do the work themselves. They have to be willing to meet me halfway or a little more than halfway. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's something very, uh, important to keep in mind when you're working with a, a life coach or a counselor or a therapist is that you get what you put into it. You take out what you put in and it's important that you make the commitment as well and not expect other people to do all the work for you. Because if you do that, they're going to get tired of you and they're going to leave you because it is exhausting trying to do a two person job by yourself. As one person, you cannot do a two-person job. And that's just, that's how community works. Um, so I am interested to work with people that are willing to help themselves and also nurture their creativity, um, women that are spiritual, um, into metaphysical things, also feminine presenting individuals who might be struggling with how to how to present themselves, or trans women who are kind of going through it, and they, you know, maybe you're you're putting on arbitrary like skirts and lipstick, but it's like you don't know what kind of skirts and lipstick you want to wear, and so it just kind of looks random, and you feel like you're not really expressing your voice yet. Um, then I, I want to work with you. I want to help you figure that out. And so I started a life coaching business called Persephone's Jewels. And it's named for uh, two things. Um, Persephone, the goddess of the underworld and springtime, um, who goes to rule in the underground, the underworld. And uh, the jewels, the jewels part is because uh, Hades or Pluto uh, in Roman mythology, Roman terms, um, is her, her husband. And he is, uh, God of the dead, king of the underworld. And he is the richest God, um, as noted in Greek mythology, as noted in, in the, the sources from, you know, the greats written zillions of years ago. <laughs> I exaggerate. Um, he is noted as the richest God because there is gold underground there there are gemstones that rise underground and you have to dig for them in order to be able to see them and to find them and to take care of them um they don't just pop out like daisies and go hey i'm here you have to work for them and you have to look for them so persephone's jewels um in a phrase would be the fact that she did not find those jewels that were accessible only through the underworld until she went to the underworld. And she said, you know what? I'm going to become queen of this realm. Um, I do not buy into the uh, trope that she was tricked or that she did not know what was happening um, when Hades gave her the pomegranate seeds and tied her, her uh, beingness forever to his realm. I, 
I don't buy that for a second. Um, it's stripping her of her autonomy, essentially, and um, perpetuating the trope that all young women uh, don't know what they're doing. They're naive, um, innocent to the point where it's harmful to them, and they need men to guide them or tell them what to do or put them in positions. And it also um, is offensive to uh, Demeter, her mother, or some people say Demeter, I say Demeter, um, but essentially saying um, her mother was ineffectual at giving her the life that she wanted. And so she was, uh, she wasn't there for her daughter. And while it might seem like that were true, um, Persephone does have a dual life. So she spends time on the surface with her mother, um, who she was very happy to see upon her first return to the earth after being in the underworld for the first time. And she also has obviously the duties to her realm and her husband down below. And I want to reiterate, I want to emphasize that it is totally possible for people to have a double life. It's totally possible for you to embrace both sides of yourself. You know, they say that nobody is either an introvert or an extrovert. Um, we are all the same, but we're just different numbers on the same scale going up and down. So nobody is explicitly a one or a 10. We're all kind of combinations of twos and sevens and nines and 5.5s. So to put ourselves in kind of a, a black and white um, box is ineffectual and honestly quite damaging. So my aim with Persephone's Jewels is to introduce women and femme individuals, trans women, to the theory, the Jungian personality analysis theory that there are all of the goddesses, um, all of these goddesses are inside us and the goddesses are uh, communicated in archetypes. Um, so you have Persephone, um, the, the rebel, um, the brave one who is simultaneously um, sweet and generous while also you know, being the Iron Maiden of the underworld who takes no shit. Um, fun fact, Persephone was actually regarded as to be scarier than Hades um, when it came to her her rule. Um, so that's, that's a fun tidbit. <laughs> um, and then you have um, Hera, who uh, her, her stereotype is... Um, Kind of the the wife who goes unappreciated, but her archetype is actually the partner, and the the uh, midwife, the the child conceiver, the one the one you create the life with, and then you have Demeter, who is the mother archetype, um, the teacher of the young children. Um, you have Athena, who is the teacher of the elder children and the adults, um, the goddess of strategy and boundaries. 
you have Artemis who exercises her own boundaries by enforcing really harsh ones and exercising her independence to the point where it's a irrefutable part of her personality. Um, also in the, the realm of independence is Aphrodite, who is simultaneously um, flirty and coquettish, but also um, whole in her own right um, to where she, she gets kind of a reputation and she gets a sex symbol status. And she's, she's very desired, um, all forms of desire, be that sexual, social, um, kids love her, animals love her because she, she is love and beauty. She's attractive by default. Um, and then on the other spectrum, the other side of the spectrum from Aphrodite, you have Hestia, who is the goddess of the hearth and home. And she's where you come to relax, unwind, um, take care of all the stuff underneath that basically people don't want to do, but you like it anyway because it brings you peace. It brings you calmness and stillness and solace. Solace being probably the best descriptor. And that's pretty much the spectrum. But there's there's so much more to those goddesses than, you know, the 20 seconds that I talked about each of them. There's there's aesthetics, there's colors, there's feelings, there's music, there's so many artistic metaphors that can be made. And through Persephone's Jewels, I can help people find their own voices. And it's not a matter of saying, oh, you're only, you're, you're only an Aphrodite, because that's unrealistic. We are actually combinations of all of them. The trick is figuring out where all of these archetypes fall in your life and how to best get the best use out of them. So you're living your life to the fullest and you're using your strengths and you're noting your weaknesses so that you can just live a better life essentially. So you can get the best out of your experiences. And because I learned to do that for myself, I feel that I can help others to do the same thing. So if you would like to follow Persephone's Jewels on Instagram, the Instagram handle is Persephone's Jewels. And on Facebook, the username is Persephone's Jewels Coaching. And those are currently the two sites that I have at the moment. And I'm working on a free gift where if you enter your name and your email, you will receive a download of an activity or and or some art that I create, especially for the participants um, in Persephone's Jewels for my clients. So you can look forward to that for sure. And that's what I have to say about that. Well, thank you so much for sharing this, Lucy. Uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the dirt.
All right, and we're back with Lucy. Now let's talk about The Dirt, the book you've written a little, um, and you've mentioned earlier in the show. What was the experience of writing The Dirt like for you? The experience of writing The Dirt was very therapeutic. It was freeing. It was creative. It was imaginative. It was kind of a, a mental purge, um, an emotional purge. And I really enjoyed it, honestly. And it felt so good to be just getting these things out of my system that eventually would end up helping people in the long run and uh, serving as an example um, and not being ashamed um, about the things that I was thinking or, you know, anything I was picturing or going through or having trouble with, um, just knowing that eventually people would see it and read it and maybe even empathize or most likely sympathize. Um, that was probably the most therapeutic for me. It felt like kind of reaching into the light and holding someone's hand, but the someone was the collective consciousness. If that makes sense. What surprised you when writing the dirt? What surprised me? Uh, well, when my friend Merlin was editing the book, um, she would send drafts. We would send drafts back and forth. Um, and I would put in my edits and she gave me feedback on the whole thing by going through it and, um, adding, uh, highlighted words or phrases or thoughts in Microsoft word, um, or just changing the color of the text. And some of the things she wrote, um, about some of the really, really horrible stuff that I'd written about, um, she was, she was very encouraging. And, you know, in some cases she was like, I'm sorry you had to go through with that. I went through something similar. And I was like, okay, clearly I'm on the right track here because I'm making people feel like they're not alone. Um, and when she said those things about certain things that I experienced in the book, um, it surprised me because I know people are very shy about talking these thing talking about these things um in the open and i i was just surprised to to hear how my experiences were so similar to one she had also experienced so i i it was a good surprise it felt like i was on the right track essentially That's great. Um, I wanted to touch on you talking about uh, how it showed your friend that, you know, not being alone. That's really the whole point of this podcast is to bring to light these stories and journeys of people dealing with their mental health and kind of bringing it, you know, even more so in the limelight. Mm -hmm. uh, just like how much stories we often share with other people without really realizing it and that we're not we're not always truly alone um mm -hmm. with with the journeys that we have to face and the battles um yeah. that we think are all too silent and all too personal to share exactly
exactly. Yes. And therefore, we should not be ashamed to share them. Exactly. Did you learn anything new about yourself, um, either during the reflection for the writing of the book or during the actual writing? Yeah, I learned that I'm a hard ass. <laughs> so going back and reading through some of the stuff that I wrote and just uh, second secondhand experiencing or uh, re-experiencing the the irateness and the anger and the drive that in, uh, inspired me to to write these things and just like lit the fire for me to keep going. Um, I was like, dang, you know, when you, when you read someone else's writing, you kind of get an idea of their voice. And I was at kind of a low self-esteem point recently. And I was rereading a few of the passages from the book. And I was like, I wrote this. I, I wrote this. I wrote this. So <laughs> it was like, it was like a reminder to myself. I was like, okay, like I, I am not a shrinking violet. I do not need to be swathed in self-pity. Um, I don't need to be bathing in a bathtub of my own regret and my own fear because it's just unnecessary. And the only person that it's hurting is me. No one, literally no one else is being affected by my masochistic self-reflection. It's only me. And by hurting myself in that way, by impeding my own progress, I am affecting countless other people who are positively affected by viewing the results or ex uh, reading reading the result, results or uh, watching um, what I'm going through, basically, and how I'm generous enough to share that with people and, and help them out in the long run. So I'm really doing a disservice to everybody by kind of wallowing <laughs> and that's a it's a symptom of depression unfortunately um because i am i do have clinical major depression and uh, it's not something you can just fix um i do take medication for it i take one mood stabilizer uh called lamotrigine and i take two antidepressants um one in the morning which is bupropion which is a basic form of Welbutrin, and then the other one at night, which is uh, fluoxetine, which is a generic form of Prozac. And th that's basically my depression treatment along with um, monthly therapy um, through this app called Healo uh, with my psychiatrist and uh, yoga through this this amazing group called uh, Maya, which is Money Alignment Yoga Academy, um, which is run by a company called the Dharma Circle, which is run by an amazing woman named Julie Surratt, um, who I owe a lot of my recent um, this year personal development to, along with the wonderful ladies in that group who have supported me and carried me through so much. Um, I, I would name everyone here. Uh, it's, it's been such a wonderful experience and a bunch of those ladies have their own 
gifts and their own um, ventures that they're aiming to propel into the world to help other people. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all this information about the dirt. I'm definitely looking forward to picking up my own copy um, and getting the chance to read through it. Are you working on anything new? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Um, besides working on Persephone's Jewels and essentially working on the, the social media and the, the outreach for that, I am. I have one project um, that I would like to put out, um, hopefully by the end of next year. It's called Astrology. So it's astrology, but with an LOL in the middle. And it's basically me riffing on uh, just comedy with all the signs and the, you know, certain placements. And uh, it's kind of an offshoot of the dirt because there's, there's going to be dark humor. Um, there's going to be cynicality and there's going to be illustrations. Um, I'm totally into metaphysics and, um, uh, just the arts in general. Um, and I also work as an art model. And so I'm working on a, a book called The Model Book. And that's going to be kind of a similar tongue-in-cheek exploration of what it is to be an art model and a very um, kind of sarcastic, uh, funny outlook of what it's like to be a model, um, having things like, um, uh, bingo, bingo games and puzzles and activities, um, all which will be drawn and created by me. So those are a couple of the things uh, on the back burner, as well as a children's book, um, called the little heart. Um, which will also be written and illustrated by me. Um, so a bunch of things in the works. Yeah. And if people wanted to learn more about you, where could they find you? They could find me at, uh, well, Instagram, definitely. Um, my main account, uh, for my personal, um, and art model kind of, um, shenanigans and occasionally pictures of very cute dogs is library after dark and then there's some links on that page to my other exploits um such as my art which is lucy smith illustration the dirt is bloom from dirt persephone's jewels is persephone's jewels and my face painting business uh which i also do on the side um, just for an extra side hustle is facepaint.colorfulkingdom. And if you would like to email me, um, my main email address is lucy at lucymariesmith.com, which is also my website, lucymariesmith.com. If you want to go there and look through my different artworks and say, wow, you're a kooky chick. Well, at this point, I'd like to just thank you for coming on the show uh, and being on Silent Journeys and just talking about your story, as well as the dirt. 
Um, I'll make sure to include in the show notes all of the links that we talked about today um, so you can follow up if you want with Lucy or find her book on Amazon. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And thank you for having me. 